This is Six Feet of Separation. I'm Joel Jackson holding it down in the Seventh Ward in New Orleans. And as always, on Passover, my man, Uptown New Orleans. What's up, Andrew Levy? How's it going, Joel Jackson? It's good to be here, Uptown. Uh, hey, we, we have been having quite a Passover celebration over the past two days. Full of cheese, I guess, is what's going on? Well, like let, a, a, call, a call back to Sue Zemanic, or what? Last night, we did a quasi-actual Jewish Passover. We had brisket, and okay. we had vegetables, and uh, we had polenta, which is the most Jewish right. thing of all. Uh, tonight, we took a little bit of a different tack, because it's Thursday, and as people in New Orleans are quickly finding out... Thursday is the one day of the week that Belgarde Bakery break, bakes bread. Mm. So mm-hmm. Belgarde are the bomb diggity, and you, they basically they post their inventory on Friday morning. you got to be fast. Our good friends, our good people got shut out this week from the whole bread thing because which, they didn't, they didn't which, get on there which, in time. Which, which good people are we talking about? We're talking about there. Wheeler and Marla, who are basically the patron saints of Belgarde. They're, they're too busy playing tennis, I think. They, they might have been too busy playing tennis or disc golf or making pizza or God knows what the hell they were doing. But whatever it was, they shorted themselves a couple of baguettes and some pizza dough. Word. I, on the other <laughs> hand, was a solid recipient of all that. Okay. So I've spent the last couple of hours out front with my dad and my next door neighbor, who's part of our sort of COVID unit. We don't worry about germ transfer because we're sharing the same property. Nice. Uh, drinking, shout out to Jillian. Shout out yeah. to Jillian. Drinking rosé, eating cheese, and eating Good. some of the finest fig and pecan bread that you could ever come across. Are you kidding? You are living the effing good life, dude, for real. That's, That's awesome. the other podcast, The Good Life. This is Six Feet of Separation. Which also can be good. I like I like being separated by people. It's fun. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> well, good man. I'm glad to hear you guys are having a good day over there. I was really happy to see your Facebook post uh, about an hour ago, and, and that uh, that that you know buffet of a fancy cheese just really warmed my heart. Were, were you on Facebook to compress or to decompress, Joel? You're such a good segueer, cousin Andrew. Um, I don't have to decompress anymore. Because I don't have any compression. And therefore, I've been a dude that in my entire life, for 20-something years, I take a 20-minute nap between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. And I've read studies about if you take that 20-minute nap, and I'm very good at it. I can just go to sleep and wake up in 20 minutes. I'm totally refreshed, decompressed. And if you take that 20-minute nap between that 2 and 5 o'clock period, that's one extra hour of sleep you don't have to have the following night. That's what I've read. That's what I believe in. An but hour. Since COVID, yeah, a full hour. So you're gaining 40 minutes by that 20, right? And uh, so it's like, whatever, pesos to dollars. I don't know how that shit works. <laughs> and, so, and so, I mean, a little homie could tell us. And so, I um, bet he could. But I haven't been taking the afternoon naps now because... I don't ever get riled up enough to need to decompress in any way, shape, or form. So I just kind of keep going until I'm ready to go to sleep like a normal person, that's, I guess. That's very interesting, Joel. I, I'm, I'm no sleepetician, but I can tell you <laughs> that uh, if I get the opportunity to take a mid-afternoon nap, chances are I'm going to take it. And chances are it's going to be way longer than 20 minutes. Now, I know what science says. I know science says a 20-minute nap is the perfect amount of nap time. You don't get into the REM sleep. It refreshes you enough, blah, 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 blah. I can tell you that for me, if I'm going down in the afternoon, chances are I'm not waking up for a good two, three hours. And if you try to wake me up before those two, three hours are over, God help you. God help you. I wake up angry. Yes. And to your point, I'll just quote our a Cheeto in chief, uh, a stupid scientist. What do they know? Yeah, seriously, what do scientists know? Um, and then, gosh, something you just said, you were talking about like ranting and like, did, there was a, you sent me an email that I haven't had a chance to look at yet about uh, there was something we should rant about. Do you want to get into that? Because we were having 
we were getting ready for the show and I, I'm sorry that I didn't have a chance to look at what you emailed me about this rant. Uh, well, what, what was that? What is that? I, I, I am now going back to my email to look. I think I said it. I think I said it was something rant worthy. I remember writing rant worthy, but I can't remember what it was, which means that we should probably move on from that because it's not that rant and worthy. I, and, I, and I'm happy to. Uh, we, folks, we had, I don't like talking about technical difficulties on the phone, uh, on the podcast, but we had some, whatever. That's why I didn't look at yeah, the Yeah, we, 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 um, we had some distractions this afternoon, but. Yeah, but we're over it. We're good. We look, are. Here's, a, here's another thing, dude. Andrew, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, as I always am on all your thoughts. There's, okay, we've talked about silver linings with coronavirus. Like I had posted something the other day about like not having to match socks or whatever, and that's silly. Let's be but honest, also- Joel. Joel, your only silver lining is the 30-foot flirting. That's the only silver <laughs> lining that you care about. Don't try and that kid anybody a- that there's anything else that matters to you. What is the, what is the tagline of our boss, dude? The tagline? The tagline. Yeah. Uh, it's... it's, it's Life, love, and culture in the time of a nineteen. So thirty. So love is squarely in there, and thirty foot flirting squarely fits in that. So I feel like I'm justified in um, that being a priority for me. Um, here's the thing, though, I want to ask you about, dude. Get your opinion on this, and I like springing stuff on you because it's fun. I wonder, like, okay, there's going to be what? Are, what are we going to call the opposite of so? Okay. Clearly, all the death and the depression, recession, and everything is the the bad lining. But what are going to be like the rusty linings? In addition, like if there's rust-colored linings to this, you know, like on the other show, I mentioned like the five and six-year-olds are kind of fucked right now, probably because this is their first memories. But like, I think what are going to be the things that culturally and creatively come out of this period? that might be undesirable to the common human. For example, what if everyone feels like they should try stand-up comedy? (laughs) Well, long story short, I'm just gonna go out there and say that would be a bad idea. Nobody, really, this is not your moment, folks. This is not your moment to go out and try stand-up. It's not not about you, people. but, but, But for no other reason than there won't be an audience. I can promise you that. The, 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 other, the other rusty linings, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you, know, you keep hearing people talk about how, well, life's going to be different after this, and I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to come out of this the same. Uh, it's going to be very hard to figure out what, 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 what the future is going to be like. Everybody's going to be different because of this. And That's pers- like Bill Clinton meets Bill Withers, by the way. Whatever the fuck that just was. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't know that life is going to be any different. You know, the, the, my, my experience in this life through every crisis that we've had is yeah. that people are much more the same after crises than they think they are going to be during the crises. So Do you, you think they've doubled down on what they were? Not necessarily. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But if you look at the storm uh, in 2005, you look at Katrina, everybody talked about, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to make sure that never happens again. Let's, let's face it, a lot of people just went back to doing the same shit they were doing before, including sure. all the infrastructure and political people, which wasn't necessarily where I was aiming to go with that. But sure. in, in reality... Most people are who they are, and when people get to a point in their life when they want to change something about their life, sometimes there's a trigger that's something like this. But I've never witnessed anything like this create an en masse change in how people behave. Right? But I also think that we've never experienced a global civilization thing like this that's affected everyone on the planet. Basically. Not not in our lifetime, but there have been global pandemics like this before. And it's interesting. I, I had a conversation with somebody earlier today and we were talking about the, the value of things and what we should do about the economy and all that. And my take on that is at some point, 
we're going to have to figure out what the economy, because this crisis is going to last long enough for it to have to be addressed during the crisis. It's so going to be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sorry. we're going to have to figure out during the crisis what our economy is going to be like and who that's going to impact and how that's mm-hmm. going to impact the value of things and all that crazy stuff that is way too much for a modest podcast like this to delve into because, frankly, our heads are not big enough. I disagree. I think our heads are plenty. I think we're pinky in the brain. And I think we will figure this out. And I think it's going to be like about labor rights. I think we're going to do an entire show in the future. I think you and I are going to like bootstrap this shit up. I think we're going to surprise each other and ourselves and how intellectual and emotionally quotiently we can get. And we're going to dive into some labor rights shit down the line. Don't, don't sell yourself short, Andrew Levy. I, I, I'm not trying to sell myself short, Joel. Uh, I'm just saying uh, I don't have enormous ambitions. I'll tell you what. I'll allow one thing. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I don't think about any of that stuff. But I had a thought this morning while I was walking to get my coffee. Sure. And the thought was, did you ever see the movie Signs? It's one of those M. Night Shyamalan movies where, you know... With, with Mel Gibson? I think it's the... Is it... Uh, maybe, maybe I got it wrong. It's, no, it's the one with Marky Mark. It's the one with Marky Mark that I'm picking up. Maybe it's not Signs. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Where, everybody's, where everybody starts committing suicide. It's an M. Night, Sha- no, M. Night Shyamalan. Anyway, there's an M. Night Shyamalan movie where everybody starts committing suicide. Like... If this whatever virus hits you, you start driving into walls and doing all this crazy fucking shit that is totally crazy. And I had the thought this morning, like, if, if you've been paying attention to the news over the past week or so, you've noticed that Los Angeles has the cleanest air in the world. You've noticed that there was a report about seismic activity being down like 40%, right? So... What if Mother Nature, or the planet, or God, if that's your thing, or whatever, has invented this virus to get everybody to slow down and fucking stop climate change? Sure. Because that's That's the only way that we're going to make that kind of... So that's my optimistic point of view, that that's... Somebody could use this, but I mean, you know, then you see the the Cheeto and then you realize that that's probably not going to happen. Well, I'm totally with you. So we have these degrees and we should come up with this and we have to get to our guests very soon. And Andrew, there's no pressure for you and I to come up with these levels. This is like war games with Matthew Broderick and Ali, what's your name, Shady or whatever, when they have the DEFCOM levels that actually exist from the military. But we have to come up with these levels. Ali Shidi, are, 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 are you shouting out war games Allie. right now? Yes, I'm shouting out uh, war games. Amen, and man. So, Love that so, movie. Because c- you're my boy. And so, okay. So there, we, we've, we've already talked about silver linings. And we've talked about rusty linings. Okay. We established that a few minutes ago. And then, of course, I kind of referenced, like, I don't know what we're going to call the linings. It's really the dark shit of people dying and our hospitals being overrun and kind of mania on the streets that might happen. But to your point, what you just, I don't want to get, I don't want to go to that dark right now. I want to keep on your positive fucking soul train, which is we got to come up with a name for that fucking thing where our planet just like maybe flexes out a little bit and says, yo, it's time for me to breathe for a minute. You know, the planet, whatever. And I would like to come up with that so we can have like reference points for these things on these different levels, you know? Because you can't have a podcast without, like, it's like high fidelity. I wish I would remember that the other day. Well, no, I, mean, I think we're living proof that just about anybody can have a podcast for any reason. True, true. But I was thinking about, like, about high fidelity because Liam brought up high fidelity the other day. And uh, that should be on a watch list for somebody, just not the old movie, but also the new television show um, with uh, the girl from the Cosby Show's now daughter. Um, so good and they have top five lists and we should never get away from these like bullet points of how we communicate with each other I think DEFCON levels from war games for example sounds good to me I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not going to disagree with you 
let's embrace it. Let's lean into it, man. I'm all about leaning into the uh, to the whole thing, dude. And um, we're about to call somebody uh, on the line. We're, who, we're, uh, we're, we're just now waiting for them to join. But while we're waiting for okay. them to join, I'll, I'll do the intro. So uh, our, our guest today is a guy named Gene Menoray. Um, and he is a co-founder of the Ella Project. Now, you might be asking, what is the Ella Project? The Ella Project is... Andrew, what is that? (laughs) Thank you for asking, Joel. Uh, The Ella Project has existed in New Orleans since 2004, and their primary mission has been generally to provide legal services and advice to members of New Orleans' creative community, be it artists or musicians or what have you, uh, you know, the people who struggle to make a living in this town. So... Gene founded the Ella Project with Ashley Keaton in 2004, and recently, and the reason why we decided to bring them in uh, today is because recently I actually saw a Facebook ad from the Ella Project saying we would like to help local artists qualify for some of the stimulus money that's being put out there by the government to take care of people during these troubled times. And I think I can see Gene. Gene, are you there? Can you hear me? I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andrew, and Joel Jackson is with us, and we're really, really psyched to have you join us today. Nice to meet you. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. So we were... Can I can I just say is that like a running joke when people say hygiene? I know that's so so low, <laughs> such a low hanging fruit, but you must get that get that a lot. We've a few times, yeah, but it's always entertaining. Okay. So in these COVID times, Andrew, you have to go for the low hanging fruit. I, 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 that and and that is exactly why we are a tier two podcast and not a tier one podcast. <laughs> but we're a tier two podcast that keeps it real. So thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening here in New Orleans, Gene. It's, it's really a pleasure to meet you. I, I got that ad, as you may have heard me talking uh, as you joined the call, uh, in inviting local artists and musicians to check in with the Ella Project about sort of uh, taking advantage of the COVID stimulus money that the government's offering. I would love to to hear from you about uh, maybe start with what does the Ella Project? Do, what was it founded to do? What does it do normally? Sure. So um, Ella Project is a local organization that works with New Orleans artists, musicians, and grassroots nonprofits, and we have three main tiers of service. Uh, Primarily, uh, what we're best known for probably is that we're a pro bono legal organization for the arts, uh, dealing a lot in intellectual property, uh, copyright, trademark and patents, contract review, etc. We do a lot of arts business development, which typically is done through seminars and workshops and one-on-one consultations. And then we do a lot of cultural advocacy. And our advocacy work is really based more around trying to bring ideas to New Orleans and bring New Orleans ideas to other parts of, of the world um, when dealing with cultural policy. Um, now, our work right now really spins out of those two aspects of um, advocacy and business development. Though our, though our legal program continues um, uninterrupted and we continue to see clients pro bono every week. Um, but right now, what we're doing is instead of doing business development conversations around, you know, how do I market my band or how do I get an art gallery? What we see is because all those things are on hold, our business development is trying to figure out how artists can take advantage or figure out how to work their way through some of the programs. There. So sound found many times since it's just that, you know, you're dealing with giant bureaucracies right now that are understandably overwhelmed and so sometimes it's just them being able to get on the phone with us and say okay guess what guys you've done all the right things it's just going to take a minute or you've done almost all the right things but did you know about this one oh maybe you didn't know about this one okay well you should check this one out um and you know i think that that's the best way that we can continue to provide services right now 
Right on. So I mean, it, I, I'm piecing this together from clues, but I, I, I'm kind of guessing that, that you and, and your partner in the Yellow Project, Ashley, is that correct? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that the two of you started this out of a, basically because you are, like Joel and myself, lovers of the culture in New Orleans and desperate to, to preserve it for, for future generations. Would you, say, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think both Ashley and I obviously have a deep abiding love for the culture of New Orleans. And so I grew up here. She, she came here 20-something years. And, you know, it's both what has made the city the most interesting place in the world to us. And what we did, we started the Yellow Project in 2004. Um, I was working at the Top Council in New Orleans, um, and Ashley was working as a boutique entertainment law practitioner. And we had a small grant funding opportunity that came along to start doing some legal services. And I, I knew her. She had actually interned with us at the Arts Council. And so we got together with this very small grant from Tulane University and started doing three hours a week of pro bono legal. And there was obviously a demand that was there. Artists weren't being able to get their information and their questions answered and they couldn't afford to pay $300 an hour. And so what they were doing is just going it alone. And sometimes that worked and sometimes that didn't. And, and we often compare it with our type of pro bono to, to go into the dentist. Like if you have dental insurance, you probably go every six months and right. you get your teeth cleaned. And if you don't, right. you wait till it really starts hurting. And sometimes that turns out that you can deal with it. And sometimes it turns out really badly. Our goal is to make sure that it doesn't turn out really badly. So, so just so I understand the level of engagement that, that you're involved in. So are you getting involved at, at sort of more the micro level when an individual artist has a particular battle that, that they have because they've been clamped down by somebody or they, they have some sort of uh, other issue that they need to be addressed? Or are you getting involved in sort of some of the bigger issues like when clubs are getting shut down or when neighborhood advocacy groups are pressuring local clubs to shut down and, and, and all that kind of stuff? Or is it both? It's both. Yeah, it, it really is both. I mean, we, we look at both the macro and the macro level. Um, micro, we, because we do have a partnership with Tulane University that provides us a number of law students a year um, that works under Ashley's supervision. Ashley is an attorney. I am not. Um, and then we have another network of volunteer attorneys. You know, we provide direct pro bono services to about 225 artists throughout the year, um, all Louisiana residents. The vast majority are in New Orleans, but, you know, we have clients in Monroe, Baton Rouge, et cetera. As much time as that takes, there's also opportunities, and we think part of the mission is to work on a lot of these other levels as noise ordinances that deal with dispute between neighborhood and businesses. And, and a lot of that just came up by, by necessity. You know, in 2010, when this issue became really heavy in New Orleans, when dealing with clubs and having licenses for sound, um, Ashley got very involved in it and was able to really to bring together a consortium of experts to the city and worked it for months and months. And after that, just we kind of just stayed plugged in. You know, at that point, the issue kind of, for those who aren't familiar with it, ebbs and flows because it's really not driven necessarily by a central government edict. It's more driven by a squeaky wheel um, complaining. Oh, totally. So, so can, sometimes can we, can, it's there, Jane, sometimes it's not. Yes. Gene, can we, can we just say NIMBYism and just call a spade a spade? I yeah, know. absolutely. We, we, we can, we can so, more, than, more than say NIMBYism. Maybe you want to throw out a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a specific name. Sure. I've, I've got some. Let me say, let me ask this. It sounds like you, or just state this. It sounds like Gene that you guys are probably aligned similarly to an organization like Magno. I think so. Yeah, I mean, we we've known them and worked with them for a very long time. Um, I think everyone has their own approaches to advocacy, and yep. I think that we complement each other. Um, nice. Their their approaches than ours. We are not. Um, we've always said we're not the people that are going to be on the courthouse steps with signs and protest banners. That's not what we're necessarily good at. And, and they are good at it. And I think the two of us work together very well. That's awesome. So does that mean like, are you guys like uh, behind the scenes uh, working on legislative uh, policy? 
public that, policy. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, we, we try and work on legislative policy behind the scenes. We try and do conversations, especially with noise, with, you know, police departments, with commanders, with grid organizations. We try and be a broker and try and mediate these discussions as best as possible. That said, we are not unbiased. You know, we are not walking in here as an honest broker. We are on the sides of artists and musicians. Um, nice. And That's so I great. think it's a, we always want to make sure people know that ahead of time. People say, can you can you meet at the suggestion? Yes, but we have a point of view and that point of view is going to come out in this conversation. All right. And how is that uh, manifesting itself now in these COVID-19 times in terms of how you guys I know you've, you've touched yeah. on this a little bit already, but in terms of like how you're if any specific examples on, of how you guys are uh, communicating with musicians right now. Um, what their specific challenges and needs are and how you might be helping them with those. Yeah, I think that, that right now, so much of it is triage of just getting out all the information that's out there. And, you know, we've seen today, as a matter of fact, uh, Governor Edwards came out and said, you know, OK, we're going to start paying unemployment benefits to these gig workers starting on money. They'd received the federal money. But for the last two weeks, you know, it's been a situation where people can apply, but the system wasn't really set up for it and they didn't know if their application had been processed. Mm. And so it was really just communication. You know, we were able to talk to some people in the Lieutenant governor's office and in the governor's office. They said, look, this is coming. You have to trust us now. You know, advocates who've worked in the government for a long time know that sometimes that can be, um, those can be dangerous words, um, but in this case, it, it seems like that that was correct. And so a lot of times it was just communicating to people, look, you've done the right thing. Um, there may be another step that you have to do, uh, but it looks like this will be able to come down. And if that does come down, you know, that's for the gig workers. That's the biggest thing that's going to make the most amount of difference, because, you know, you're talking about probably depending on what their situation is, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a week. Um, that that starts to add up and if that can continue that i think that we can we can see a backstop where had employed artists and musicians end up in really dire straits but right now it's all still promising that are progress towards victory but until we see this the first person's bank account i say this problem is solved so, so uh, you were telling. I'm sorry, Andrew. So but, the, uh, go ahead, Joel. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Gene, you had told me earlier when we talked uh, off the air that uh, the application process is relatively smooth. But what your concern is is you don't know what the process process is on the other on the receiving end, and that's where the concern is. Is that what I'm hearing you say right now? Yeah. That's exactly it and i think well, for some processes the application was pretty smooth like for instance for musicians unemployment though it wasn't because the state and this is not really to, to bag on the state they were given very little notice about this you know they had had a system that is set up to years that says if you're self-employed you can't get unemployment and then all of a sudden within 24 hours that changed and they had to change all of their forms and all of their systems so, so when, when exactly did that change, Gene? Where it was like a square peg round hole. That changed when they passed the CARES Act in the Senate, what, um, two weeks ago? Okay, so the, I, I, want, I want to bring this to where the rubber meets the road because we referenced my landlord slash neighbor, Jillian, earlier on in the show. Jillian is a, a costume designer at, who predominantly works for, for movies, Right. I'm not asking you for advice. I'm just trying to cite this as an example. Sure. Uh, last week, to get herself in the system, Jillian applied for unemployment. All of her gigs have, have dried up over the past uh, couple of weeks. And now she's in a position where she got a declaration from the state last week that she was not entitled to unemployment. And my guess is that on the basis of everything that happened at the federal level, that's changing now, but how would somebody who got there, who applied for unemployment last week and they're in the gig economy and they got rejected, how would they go about turning that around now that the broader environment has changed? Or can they? 
They can. And this is this is really a timely question. And this sort of illustrates how quickly all this information is coming at us. Like about 30 minutes ago, I got a press release from the city of New Orleans that addressed this exact question. And there's a phone number that you call. And what they say is, okay, if you applied early because you were a gig economy worker and you got rejected because the system wasn't set up to do it, don't start another application. However, there is a phone number that you could call. And we, we could track that down at a later date and, and probably get that out to everybody. But literally, like, if we had had this conversation at 3 p.m. today, I would not know that that phone number was what they should do. And so I think things, we're dealing with that on all yeah. sorts of levels. So things are rapidly changing. And you, but what you're advising people, if you've already applied, uh, don't reapply. Just call this phone number and make a revision. Is that or? What exactly are we talking about, do you think? What it, what it says. And, you know, again, this is just relying on information that I got from a government press release. So got it. caveat yeah, emptor yeah, yeah. as far as this is concerned. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is where, well, that, well, I should even ask this, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I should ask, like, where, as people listen to this, like, five hours from now or 20 hours from now or 30 hours from now, they're going to want to know where, where can I just go to get the best information right now? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm not sure there is one single source right now. I think, again, because information changes so quickly, um, it. it depends on what your questions you're asking is. I mean, in all honesty, as much as it can be uh, a very complicated website, if you curate it effectively, the best way to get this information is, is on Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So, that's I mean, that's, you know. that's should we should we follow you guys on Twitter, Jane? Like, <laughs> you, maybe I mean we 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 retweet a lot of this information. Otherwise, okay. we're incredibly boring Twitter follower. What, we, what, we never what, post what, anything, you know, controversial, or we just post we just retweet hey, a man. bunch of stuff. Uh, hey, but hey, hey, we get Jane, the information out there. Jane, boring is good in a crisis like this. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they, exactly. Stay boring, out, Jane, dude. What's, what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> we are at the Ella Project. So T H E. E-L-L-A yep. project. Project. Yep. All spelled out. Okay. And, you know, our audience, I, I'd like to uh, think, actually, I know for a fact that it extends beyond the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. I would imagine it'll be different from state to state, but a lot of this information is, broadly speaking, applicable to people who are artists or gig workers who are outside of the state of Louisiana. Is that fairly accurate? I, I, th I think that's true. The, the one caveat to that is the unemployment situation, because basically it got turned over to all 50 states and all 50 states are running somewhat differently as far as that's concerned. There is a really good organization that I can plug that's getting a lot of good information out there, especially on this unemployment topic, and that is the Future of Music Coalition, um, which is an old indie advocacy group that, that we've worked with for many years. And this is they, they've really um, taken the lead in a lot of ways in getting information out there. And they have some really well-written, concise, easy to read, not full of government jargon um, blog posts and guidelines for the independent musician. And I, I'd encourage everyone to check those out. And that has information for all 50 states, whereas most of our stuff is focused on Louisiana. Awesome. Okay, that's that's great. And I, I know it's the Future of Music Coalition, but would that be broadly applicable to other people in the arts in Louisiana? Yeah, absolutely. Even though music's in their name, basically there's outside of some private foundation funds, all the major programs are going to be applicable to any artist, a visual artist, a designer, music, et cetera. Okay. That nice. is awesome. I have a, I have a, per, a couple personal questions for Gene before we move on to our segment of the week, Andrew. Okay. Uh, the personal questions are this. Your accent, Gene, is one of my favorites, dude. I just got to say, <laughs> it's like, I'm not from here. I'm like Ashley. I moved here in 1994, and I, I'm, an, I'm what you call a nullophile. You know, I moved here and fell in love with the city, and uh, I call it home. And, uh, and you have a very distinct accent that I associate with, like, 15 or to 18 of the, my favorite people. 
<laughs> on the planet. So I'll take uh, it. Yeah, dude. So I'm wondering, <laughs> like, it, where specifically uh, do you do, were you born in in and around New Orleans? Where do you reside now? Yeah, I'm I, I'm from New Orleans. Uh, my family, I'm the fifth generation of my family born in Orleans Parish, and um, we didn't move that far. It was actually kind of entertaining uh, when we my wife got into doing some of the amateur genealogy a few years ago, and we found where where my yeah. first relative was in New Orleans, and he. He, his original print shop was on Louisiana Avenue, um, and and I grew up right off Broadway, about two miles from there. So wow. perhaps we were perhaps we were less wanderlusty than, than some other people. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I grew up near the university. My father was a professor at Tulane. Where exactly? Because um, you know um, the 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 home of our sort of clan is the seventy seven block of Oak Street. Very close to there, um, 73 block, 100 block of Zippel Street. I always tell people, do you Damn. know where the boot wow. bar is? And they go, yeah. Dude. I said, well, ah. I grew up a block from the boot. So. Well, and how, and how about that's that? Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> Gene, do you remember the restaurant for Red Street in the 90s, Bebo's? Oh, absolutely. Ah. absolutely. Goes back to the 80s. Oh, my God. Good. I used to play Video games there. So. Yeah, their their red beans were so temperature hot that they would melt the plastic <laughs> they served them on. It was great. Hey, but I've other- lived I've lived all over the city. You know, I, I lived yeah. in Mid City, French Quarter, Bywater, and and now now I'm back in uh, in Carrollton, right off Carrollton Avenue by Palmer Park. Oh, so you're right near Andrew, right? Yep, exactly. Andrew, yeah, no, right I, I'm I'm staying on Dublin between Panola and Sycamore. Yeah, we're about two blocks away. So right, well, I'm waving at you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, just, just, uh, hey, just keep your distance. Um, That's right. And then, Gene, man, tell me how before we get onto our, our our diversion crisis crisis diversion of the week. Um, what's your like? How's your daily life with your family? And yeah, yeah. How's how this you, impacting how, you, Gene? I mean, I think that we, um, for one thing. We are we're fortunate in a lot of ways. I mean, our organization is is relatively small, streamlined for us. Like going working from home was uh, basically the equivalent of picking up our laptop and you know walking out the door that day. Um, sure. My my wife has her own uh, law practice as well. For her, it was it was relatively similar. We have an eight year old son. Uh, so we've been learning the joys of uh, homeschooling and distance learning. And I think the the teachers are doing a hell of a job considering that they had about 72 hours notice to prepare for any of this too. Um, and they've been able to, I think, keep everyone engaged, but you know, it's, a, it's an interesting circumstance that I think we're all in, but you know, fortunately we're, we're doing, we're doing well. Everyone that we know is healthy and it, it, it's important that our organization continues to be engaged and we're able to do that. It's, it's a lovely thing about technology. You know, this, this was, in the case 15 years ago we could not have gotten up and running as quickly um, in 2005 as we are now and it's because of these technological advances which have helped us out well i'm so glad you brought that up man because uh i'm gonna interrupt our next uh segment by asking you the parallels between the work that you guys did after katrina versus now and i know you just touched on it in terms of technology but anything else I, I mean, I think that we've all thought about that, those of us that were here at the time, and there certainly are some similarities, but but there's some distinct differences, both positive and negative. I mean, for the arts community, um, we were we were significantly destroyed, in all honesty, by it, but there was an escape valve, you know, like for musicians, they could go on tour, they That's could get right. out of town, and not only could they go on tour, but they were quite popular. There were a lot of people that really wanted to support New Orleans culture. That's right. Um, That's right. So the day-to-day existence, you know, life in a FEMA trailer is a million times worse than life in quarantine. Um, yeah. But there wasn't a way. There was a way out, and I think there isn't now. And that said, you know, the idea that so many of us had, especially into like you know nine to twelve months after uh, Katrina hit that we'd been forgotten about, which was totally true. Um, you know, now everybody's sort of in the soup with us. And so That's right. there are differences and similarities. But I do think the, the most important thing that, that we take from it is that there were a lot of conversations in 2005 that, you know, 
New Orleans culture couldn't come back. There were too many other dramatic needs for the city and infrastructure and government. And what we learned is that once things did return to a tiny semblance of normal, not only did the culture come back, it was the healing balm that made the rest of the city come back with it. And knowing that now, I think, allows us to move forward in a different way, knowing that the culture really will be the thing that saves not just this city, but all the cities around the globe that are dealing with this. Well, that's so. I'm so glad you make that point because it also goes back to what you said about what your organization does in normal non-COVID times, which is to export New Orleans cultural practices um, to the rest of the world. How does that work in normal times? I think, I think that it's looking at, you know, that there are so many people around the world that want what New Orleans has. And sometimes New Orleans doesn't always appreciate that in its own way. Yeah, we you take know? it for granted. Yeah, True that. We, we yeah. take it for granted or we think like, oh, my God, you know, these people really have it going on. Look at their look at their vibrant economy and, you know, those shining buildings downtown. And, you know, vibrant economy is not a bad thing. Trust me. Um but, but, Fe- but Phoenix and Charlotte are not places you want to hang out at. That's all I'm saying. Phoenix and Charlotte are not places you want to hang out at. No, no offense to those places, but yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, and so I think that it's important to remember that this is one of the one of the Western worlds, if not the world's most interesting and important indigenous culture that has resisted the pull of Americanization for over a century. And that does not happen often. And when yeah, it right. does... It's something that not only should be celebrated, but it, it needs to continue to thrive. It also can't be a museum piece. You know, we always say, like, New Orleans culture is like Colonial Williamsburg. We do not we do not want this to be like, oh, this is the culture of the 1920s, and now you get a recreation of it. It is a living, breathing organism that needs to continually be fed and supported by new generations. Our museums, that, ha- our, our museums have no roof here. You just walk out your door. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so one of our roles, using the skills that we have, which are, you know, businessy, lawyerly, kind of nerdy skills. Sure. We provide the opportunity for those creators and those practic- cultural practitioners to know that they have someone who's in their corner. So they yeah, can go right. out there without fear that they're going to be taken advantage of, without fear that things are going to go wrong with them, knowing that they have allies. And when you have allies, you can do a lot of cool things. Yep. Yep. Dude. Fantastic. That is it's so nice to have something. So it's, that's the silver lining, dude. Andrew, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's no, I, I got I to gotta tell you, it, it, it feels like meeting an old friend, Gene. It, I'm a little bit surprised that the three of us have never been connected before in any way, but uh, yep. it's been fantastic having you on here. Um, I think it might be time, Joel, to move to our regular segment, Let's if you're it. ready. I am so ready. I, I think, Gene, you might have already been given a tip off about this, so hopefully you have something prepared. But every, every show, we ask our guests to tell us about something that's helping them stay diverted from the crisis not the news, anything but the news. It could be a book, it could be an album, it could be a TV show, a movie, something out there, anything out there that is keeping you distracted, we want to know. Yeah, I think I've really dove back into cooking a lot of New Orleans and Louisiana Cajun and Creole cuisine. And I was wondering why the other day um, I've always been somebody who liked to like food. You know, you grew up here, you, you like to eat, you like to eat well. And I've always been interested in different types of cuisines, but over the years it's certainly gotten away from sort of the, a lot of the New Orleans mainstays, a lot of the Louisiana classics, found other paths to take, but uh, there's been a great return to it right now. And, and I think there's a couple of utilitarian reasons, but perhaps there's something that's more philosophical <laughs> as well. The, the great thing of Louisiana food is, you know, it takes a long time to cook in a lot of ways. Well, you know, we got some time and Definitely. it's a good opportunity to walk away at four in the afternoon and be like, hey, I got to go to the kitchen. If we're going to eat by eight. I got to go to the kitchen and perhaps, you know, have a have a glass of wine or two while things are simmering on the stove. And you make a lot of it. And there's a big pot and there's leftovers and everyone can eat. And, you know, is there something that connects you back to your homeland when times are troubling? Probably. But it's also fun and utilitarian and takes some time and tasty, too. So why not? 
Well, so what have you been cooking? I mean, look, I, I know just before the lockdown, literally a half an hour before the lockdown order came down in Orleans Parish, I was with a couple of friends out in New Orleans East visiting our super secret seafood purveyor. Uh, and, and I got a freezer stocked full of it, but what they told me was a tale of woe about how hard hit the seafood industry is in Louisiana right now, not because of lack of supply, the supply's all there, it's a lack of distribution. So uh, with the plentiful seafood, have you perchance been dipping into those kind of things? I've been trying to, but I think a lot of what you say is, is true in a lot of ways too. Like it hasn't always been easy to find as much of the seafood stuff. So it's been really some more of the, the classic Cajun and Creole Italian stuff. You know, I, I hadn't made jambalaya in 20 years, but, but I made it the other night. Um, last night we did a Mosca's chicken alla grande, which is a really mm. easy but tasty dish with just so much garlic and olive oil and white wine. Um, from our from our favorite roadhouse over in Boutique on the West Bank, but you know it, wait, it wait, takes did, a while. Did, and it's did you go over in there? And, sorry, did you go over there and get it from them? Or did you make that? No, I just I just made that. The, the nice thing about Moscas is they're so confident that their stuff tastes so good. They put all their recipes on their website, so you can get all the recipes, and they go, you know, give it your best shot. You're still going to want to come back here because you can't do it quite like <laughs> we can do it. And I think it's, they're right. They're a hundred percent right. It wasn't that good. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's awesome, Gene. Um, what else? What else have you been cooking? Anything exciting, interesting? What else are we doing? I mean, you know, we did crawfish etouffee. That always turned out well. We did red beans, um, slow cooked some Boston, uh, Boston butt pork shoulder. Um, just trying to trying to keep things entertaining, and it, it gives it gives me you know a way to also contribute to the to the household and, you know, keep my, keep my wife from going too crazy. It's something that, that we can do and, you know, we can sort of split the duties as we're all in this together. Yeah, you're right. Yep. I hear that. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Uh, I mean, aside from you're making me hungry, uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I have, so I've lived in LA. Well, I, I, I'm really now for the first time living in New Orleans. So I have access to all of the things on a regular basis that, I used to have to take a suitcase full of when I would go home to wherever home was. So uh, living, you know, the, the West Wego Shrimp Market is still open, just FYI. If you feel oh. like going across the bridge, it's still open. But having access to all that stuff in, in all the local supermarkets and being able to cook stuff like the, the giant dish of red beans that I did last week, uh, or the the Passover dinner that I did last night to reference to to bring it back home to earlier in the show, I'm totally 100 percent with you. That's an excellent diversion, and I'm really glad you're going back to the classics because they are so fucking good. They are indeed. And you're two blocks away, so if you want to drop off any uh, any leftovers, we are available. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Definitely sensing a friendship brewing here. And right <laughs> on. Uh, Culinary. So so joel it's your turn what do you got crisis diversions um well i'm just gonna very briefly touch on something that uh i had a little dropouts on the audio on the last episode read your your favorite fiction writers go back and read their letters whoever they are so my examples are like sylvia plath of the beat writers uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm, I'm, I'm a walking cliche because I, when I was 14 years old, I, I read all that stuff, and uh, I'm still it's like. It's all right. We love you anyway. 14 year old person <laughs> trapped in a 51 year old body, um, based on all that stuff. But I just wanted to revisit that real quick. But the two things, and I'm always thinking about giving recommendations to people, as well as like what I would like to do for a diversion. And a lot of times, it's film and television. And uh, my film for today is The Big Sick. Um, which is uh, a movie about falling in love when one of the two people are sick for a long time. And I just feel like that's very relatable right now. It's called The Big Sick. And it has a great supporting actor appearance by Ray Romano. And you're like, where it, and, and Holly Hunt's in it. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, good stuff. Good stand. A lot of, I love movies that have stand up comedy. Call back Andrew to like, the thing that people shouldn't try to do stand up when they don't know how to do it, <laughs> Inclu including myself, uh, which I've done. 
um, it was it was pretty good. And then the um, the television that I have is this is inspired by you, Andrew. All right. And I, I t- yeah, I messaged you this today because someone had um, shout out to a friend of mine in Italy who had emailed me, and uh, a musician that I work with was uh, featured in this particular episode of a show called Better Things on uh, net on hulu fx and then on hulu and it's uh the most recent episode in season four and uh james williams is the said musician uh what's our girl's name andrew uh, uh yeah no i want, I want a, 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 a big shout out to yeah. pamela adlon. Pa- pamela Pam- pamela adlon who yes. not just she she played koki smurf in californication which, <laughs> which i love but also was a, a big, you know, for many, many years was a collaborator with the now disgraced Louis C.K. And oh, right. was, a, was a major presence on Louis. So good on His that show. show. So she, good on She Louis. was awesome. Whatever you think of Louis C.K. And, you know, that I show still all evidence legit. indicates that he's a bit of a shit. Uh, that show that, that sh- was great was comedy. Amazing. And, you know, let's separate the artist from the art and acknowledge that that show is great. And Pamela Adlon's performance in it also great. So oh, God, I'm 100% so good. with you. She, she broke his heart in that show, the characters. Over and over in again. In a way that you never want to have your heart broken ever. Yep. Ever. And so why I thought about you, why this is inspired by you, is that then this new show, which I had never seen, so I'm literally watching it for the first time in season four, is because the her character decides to move to New Orleans from Los Angeles because she visits here and realizes how dope it is. And it's just, it's its a pretty good, look, it's hard. Gene, jump in here, man. It's hard. You have to be ballsy to write about New Orleans. You know, Ignatius T. Riley. I mean, I, that shit's great. It's just, it's hard. You know, Tommy Sankton with, with, with Songs of My Father. There are just so many, there, there are some good examples. Walker Percy of writing well about New Orleans, but it's so hard to do it. A good friend of mine wrote a book called and curated, co-wrote, curated a book called Unfathomable City about New Orleans. And because it's unfathomable, it's so hard, so ballsy to try to capture this place. And this little fucking sitcom did okay for 22 minutes. Outstanding. Yeah, as you said, I mean, the the depths of the city are amazing. I mean, there's still stuff that that catches me off guard or little pockets that I didn't know about or little neighborhoods that I don't know about. And, you know, yeah. I, I've been pretty plugged in. I've been by mid forties at this point. I've been around for a while. Yeah. So I am impressed. Anyone can come down here and get it relatively quickly. Cheers to them. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Hey, and we're open for business down here, right? Like business and friendships. And that's what I love about New Orleans. I mean, it did take me about 10 to 12 years. I moved here in 94, Jane. And it took me, and I and I and I was I landed right at Snake and Jake's just as they opened, and I was one of their first employees. So I got that, but it still took me like twelve years before I, before I felt like okay, I can call this home. Right? You know? No, I hear you. It takes a while, but it's also very welcoming. I've always said if you, if you want to jump in, like the city will the city will get behind you, and they'll love That's you true. right back. And as Man. long as you got a like a wig, a wig and costume closet, you're good. Exactly. No, no, Joel, that's not what you need. What you really need is a convincing where I went to high school story. Story. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> if, that's if, really if, you, if you can put that together, like an 11th grade English teacher, and you know, I, I put down the trumpet when I was in eighth grade. Like you can probably pull it off, but without that, Ooh. you're lost. Where were you 20 years ago when I needed you, man? That's like that's, that's like Bill Murray in the movie Groundhog Day, you know, when he learns all the shit. And then anyway, I could have I could have used that Groundhog Day. But what about you, Andrew? Did we get you your stuff yet? We we didn't, but I do want to point out that the Big Sick is streaming for free if you ah. have an Amazon Prime account. So if you're paying Word. for Amazon Prime. Go to Prime Video. You can watch The Big Sick for free. Yeah. Uh, I think my crisis diversion, um, given <laughs> give, given where we started, I'm going to bring it all back home. My crisis <laughs> okay. diversion is Stilton Cheese. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've often been asked, 
Because I've lived in in France and I've lived in Spain. I lived in Europe for 13 years. People you know, know we never got into this with Sue, even though she kind of insulted me a little bit uh, about Did mozzarella. She? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. No, she just a little, just, a little just, bit. It's, it's Maybe she was just wind, winding me up. She was winding me up a little it's bit. That, we'll, call, we'll, we'll, we'll call it winding up. But uh, I, I often get asked what my favorite cheese is. And I tell people that cheese is Stilton. So during this uh, crisis, I've been having a little wine and cheese soiree out in the front driveway every Thursday because that's the day that Belgarde bread is available, which is very not Passover. And, <laughs> and we've been buying our cheese, but today I was like, I'm going to buy some Stilton. And I did, and I feel rewarded by that choice. It was an outstanding choice without question. Stilton cheese is like where cheddar cheese, like really, really good cheddar cheese and the saltiness and the crumbliness meets Ooh, blue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, meets yeah. blue cheese. Mm. If that's your jam, mm. honestly, there's nothing better. You, you can have your Epoise, you can have your Reblochon, you can have your Beaufort, you can even have your Hauda. This does not sound like a public health crisis right now. <laughs> man, man, I have more penicillin in me right now. It's a pity it's an antibiotic and not an antiviral because that penicillin in, in Stilton is the thing that keeps me going through this. So good. my crisis I think that's diversion good... of the week is Stilton cheese it. brought to you by the Stilton Council. I think that's a positive note to go out on, Andrew and Gene. I, I think you're right, but I, I, I think I, we should move to final plugs real quick. Maybe. Unless sure. I, mean, I, I think Gene, please let, let our listeners know how to get in touch with you, how to reach out to you to get help with uh, the help they need. I know a lot of people in our circle here locally in New Orleans are probably people who are right in your wheelhouse. So please share, share that information with us if you can. Absolutely. So uh, easiest way is, is through our website with Ella Project. It's ellanola.org, E-L-L-A-N-O-L-A dot O-R-G. Um, and, you know, I, we have kind of a weird name. It's a name that doesn't necessarily, not a lot of other people have. So in all honesty, just type it into your search engine. It's going to pop and you'll find us. And there's a contact us form. There's an application for pro bono legal services. And the office phone these days rings to my cell phone. So you'll probably get me on the other end of it. All right. I, I, I should let you know that my friend Ella in Boston is considering a lawsuit. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, we are IP lawyers, so, you know, well, we're coming heavy. There you go. <laughs> Joel, any final plugs for you? No, I'm good, man. All right, my final plug is for the Trader Joe's on Veterans and Metairie, who I, I, I've, I've been to a lot of stores in, mm. in, in this crisis, probably more than I should have, but those people are sweet. They got this wired. They're nice. looking after you, and they're looking after themselves and all of us in this crisis. So Trader Joe's on Veterans and Metairie, check them out. That's a great place to do your shopping at this time. Oh, I love it. And Good with, tip, buddy. And with that, I think I'm going to thank Gene. Thank you so much for joining us. And please extend our thanks to your partner as well for everything that you're doing to help local artists and musicians during this crisis. I know I appreciate it. Joel appreciates it. We all, all of New Orleans appreciates it because we love that culture just as much as you do. So thank you so much, Gene. We really appreciate you taking time out of your COVID day to join us. Yes, exactly. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Gene. And obviously, everyone, you can check us out at sixfeetofseparation.show, spelled S-I-X. And you can email us at info at that same URL. And uh, holler at us. If you want to come on the show, you can come on the show. That's my plug, Andrew. Well, if Joel, someone wants to come Joel, on the show. Joel, no, no, I know you, Joel. Us. You'll just let anybody on the show. I'm a little more discerning than Joel. You may not be let on the show. Actually, I'm the least. No, just email info. I got to I, I got to tell you, every day we record the show, I think twice about whether or not I want to let Joel on the show. That's that's not, that's, that's not a bad point. I'm going to have to email that same email address. Uh, honestly, Gene is edging you out for co-host right now. Dude, every of our guests <laughs> does that. <laughs> but look, uh, 
This was fun. Thanks to both you guys. Look, everyone out there on the serious tip, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourself and try to do as much good as you can. You know, my, my whole philosophy through this thing is be well so that you can do good. So try try out that for size and, and, and try and spread the love and give all your loved ones and your friends as long, long of a leash as they need as they're dealing with uh, this this kind of, you know, unfortunate thing that we're all going through uh, around the world. Amen, Joel. Thanks for that. Thank you. Despite my little job there earlier on, <laughs> you know how much I love you. I, I love doing I this with you. And Gene, thanks again. And uh, for Six Feet of Separation, this is Andrew Levy signing off. Y'all stay safe and keep your distance.